Hello and welcome to the Genius Podcast. I am your host, Karen Doyle, and I would like to invite you to join me and countless other Catholic women as we not only discover our own genius, but we own it. And then we bring it as a gift to the world and the people we do life with. If you are looking to discover what it is that you are called to do with your life, if you have a dream, but you lack the confidence or the skills to take that next step, or if you just need some great advice on living your vocation as a Catholic woman, then this podcast is for you. The Genius Podcast is part of a bigger initiative for Catholic women called The Genius Project. The Genius Project is dedicated to helping Catholic women discover their unique genius, what it is that they are called to do with their gifts and their life. You might be just out of college or university, wondering how you can pursue the things in your heart. You might be a new mum trying to navigate that space between your old life and your new mum life. You may be a career woman who is called to influence culture or a religious sister. Perhaps you are a grandma, a Catholic creative or an entrepreneur. Or maybe you are a woman who is simply trying to find her place in the world. Whatever your story is, The Genius Project has something for you. We seek to build community and networking opportunities for Catholic women to not only grow in their faith, but in the gifts, talents and the desires that God has placed within them. We seek to do this through online courses which explore helping you discover your genius zone, that area where your gifts and strengths come together. We look at business principles, how to get an idea off the ground, how to discern your vocation, and much more. You can check out the range of online courses and resources available for Catholic women at The Genius Project, www.geniusproject.co. If you like what you've heard on The Genius Podcast and you'd like to go deeper, why not scoot on over to our website, geniushub.online, and check out the amazing range of online courses that are available. Please subscribe to the Genius Podcast and share the link with your friends. Today's Genius guest is the amazing, the inspiring Laura K. Rowland. Laura is based in Washington, D.C. She is the mum to three adult children and has been married to her husband for over half her life. Laura trained as a middle school teacher before she was appointed Assistant Superintendent of Catholic Identity and Accreditation for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. She left this position three years ago to begin a Catholic women's events ministry called Encounter Grace. Just this year, she has launched an entrepreneurial venture called Hold Your Purse, which is a virtual assistance service to provide behind-the-scenes support for women in ministry. She is a gifted speaker and a gifted writer, and I just know you're going to love her. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with Laura Rowland. Because you came out here two years ago for the Sisterhood Conference, and that was so random how that happened, wasn't it? Like we I, just... I did. I did. I think we had a conversation, you know, about some other things uh, for business, and it was just so amazing how God just put it both on our on both of our hearts at that at the, almost at the same time if I remember we both were a little taken aback by it but um what a beautiful friendship I feel that's blossomed as a result of that how good is that when God gives you friends that you've known for just a couple of years but you actually feel like you've known each other your entire lives I feel that's how I feel with you like real kindred spirit just such yeah. a blessing yeah. And and I I feel the same Karen for me it's almost as if 
that connection for us was instant. And I, there are very few women that I feel like I can go like super deep about faith stuff and then turn around Mm -hmm. and talk about, you know, just like the ordinary things of like, I got dishes to do. So Mm -hmm. can we catch you later? And we've managed this friendship even with the 14 hour time difference. I know it's been awesome. I love WhatsApp because you and I will call and we've finally worked out our times. It's best for me about 9am in the morning, which is about your 8pm at night. And it's worked fantastically. Like I think we've spoken almost once a month for the last couple yeah. of years. And you we have and I I get a little grumpy if I don't get some parent time. <laughs> well, so. I feel the same. You sent me this amazing bunch of flowers. Do you remember that? In I do. Mail. You thought they were from Jonathan. Because Jonathan always sends me flowers and I got this knock at the door. This is like six months after the sisterhood conference. And I was really bummed because I just learned that my beautiful sister was moving to Queensland and I was nursing a very sad heart. And there was this knock at the door and there was this magnificent bunch of flowers. And I thought, mm. they were all natives. They were so spectacular. And I thought, that's not quite Jonathan. And there was a beautiful card from you that just said about connection and friendship across the ocean. It just was so beautiful. I felt so comforted just knowing it, that God's got me covered. Yeah. And, and that was, um, that really was a Holy Spirit moment, Karen. I, I remember just sitting there and I knew we had just had a conversation and the, the sadness in your voice just crushed my heart for a moment. And I thought, oh, if we just, we say this all the time, don't we? Oh, if we just live next door to one another, we could just be having a cup of and- <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and just a a nice little chat and just kind of checking in and really like walking with one another. So when we're not next door, we have to make those moments. And, and I thought, well, I can't do anything other than maybe send her some little flowers to, you know, to brighten up your day a bit. And, and your reaction was just so priceless when you, when you got that just made my did so, it? Oh, you just it did. Said, it, did. it was Laura, fun. at that conference, you brought over to us here in Australia a beautiful message which you called The Power of Ordinary. And I really loved it. It resonated with so many women. It was ordinary, as and, and the word ordinary you expanded on and fleshed out for us. But the feedback that came through from so many women, and I would say the majority of women, that was their favorite talk at the conference. And I know that you're, yeah, it was amazing. And I know that you're really humbled by that because you had such a journey in just getting on the plane to present a talk um, to us. But I wanted to just chat around this idea of ordinary because it's something that I think is so relevant to the hearts of all women. And yeah, tell us a little bit about what ordinary means to you. Sure. So well, first of all, the the opportunity to come and speak at Sisterhood was, you know, it definitely was Holy Spirit. It definitely was God asking me to take this ginormous, my word, my favorite word, <laughs> leap of faith. I am a former middle school teacher, so ginormous really is a word. Um, and so I love it. <laughs> but to take that leap of faith and really trust Him to fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I often say when when people ask me about this. I often say that God put it on my heart because he knew that I needed the reminder mm-hmm. about what ordinary in his mind yeah. really is. I think what is in his mind. So by definition, ordinary means not usual or different in any way. And women especially, I think, take that to mean that they have nothing to offer or that they don't have enough. They aren't enough. 
for anything. And therefore, they don't think that God really has a plan or a purpose for them. And I hear that over and over and over in, in the yeah. women's uh, groups that I run here in the in the U.S. Um, I live right outside, or I live in Washington, D.C., but we have groups that meet um, around the D.C. area. And it doesn't matter what walk of life, how much money is in your bank account, what kind of a car you drive, married, single, it doesn't matter. It's a thread that runs throughout these the the lives of these women um it's it's what's on their heart they they never feel like they are enough and it's because they feel like the word ordinary normal um it doesn't call out anything special about them and so they figure well what's the point in even trying i'm just kind of stuck i'm never yeah. going to get out of whatever it is i'm doing and therefore they never even think to say yes to a big invitation by God. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, um, in my mind, that that's just, that's hard. That's a hard thing to, to live with, that feeling of, of not being enough. Absolutely. And I would agree with you 100% because, I mean, it's my experience too here in Australia. And then when I travel um, with Jonathan around the world speaking, that this is something that is almost like a theme. It's a it's almost like static background noise in women's life, this idea that yes. somehow they're a problem, that they're not enough, that they don't have what it takes, that they won't be valued for who they truly are. Um, and I would agree that this is this resonates with women worldwide. It's It's so powerful. And I think, like you said, it breaks your heart. It breaks mine too because the great tragedy is when we buy into this lie, and it is a lie that we're not enough, that we don't have what it takes. When we buy into that lie, then something inside of us is crushed and dies. And the full image of God in us is not expressed or is not experienced by those around us. Exactly. And and we when our spirit is crushed like that, then then we allow we allow all sorts of other things to take over. So we either go to the secular world where we feel, well, I'll just be outrageous then and I can get some attention there, or we just shut down to the point that we we don't even we don't even try anymore. And then we become stale and we become stagnant and we become not who God intended us to be. Mm-hmm. And, and in those two instances, I feel that's when the devil just, just really takes over and we just buy into lie after lie after lie. And that keeps us separated from God. And it keeps mm-hmm. us from the joy that he has in store for us. Um, we, um, for Encounter Grace, which is the organization that I run, one of the uh, scripture verses that we just we just really try to to get the women to understand is Ephesians 2:10 and it's for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works and here's the key which God prepared in advance for us to do amen it's already in us yeah. and when we buy into the lie that we are just a mm-hmm. that limits by the world standards what what we think we can do but yeah. not what what God wants us to do, what he's already prepared us to do. Yeah. And I love that, that this idea that God already has a plan and a purpose, that he has gifted us when he created us. He has already gifted us with our talents, our personality, everything that we 
have within us is pure gift from him but it's not for us alone like we are called to then give that back and to make manifest his presence and to be christ bearers in this world through the specific gifts and talents that he has given to us and absolutely yeah absolutely when we buy into the lie you know we're actually rejecting that gift of god in us and, and yes. the misses out, our friends, our family, our husbands, our workplace really misses out when we buy into that lie. Yes, absolutely. I also find that when we buy into, into that lie, what we are really saying is, I'm not really worthy of what God's given me. Mm. And I know that some women... I don't know if you have found this with with your groups, Karen, but sometimes the women don't want to say, oh, I'm good at X, Y, and Z, no, because no. they feel like they're bragging or boasting. Absolutely. And what I've really tried to, to minister, for lack of a better phrase, but really to try to get them to understand, because it's been my journey, is to understand that when we say things like that, we think we're being humble, but we're really not. We're really, as you said, rejecting what God's given us. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's, a, it's a conceited pride to say things yeah. like that, like, oh, I don't really have any, I'm not really good at this. Or the phrase I always use is, well, I'm just a Yes. I'm, well, I'm just yeah. uh, indicates you've got some gift there, but you're lim- you're limiting yourself with with Absolutely. this. So, and even um, putting yourself down. Yes, exactly. I know the number of that women time. that I speak to that say I'm just a mum. And Jonathan right. called a few women on it. He said, "You're not just a mum. You are a mum. Like, and that is an extraordinary role and gift." Yes. Um, to your children. Like you can't just be a mum. You are a mum and a beautiful mother. And Laura, I love the idea that you pick up on here around pride and false humility. What, what, tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. So when I talk about this idea of a, of a false humility, it, I find it a lot in women, again, all ages and stages of life. And we've been conditioned as women to almost apologize for for being. And women all the time are are guilty. I do it myself. I know some very good friends of mine who also do this. Everything is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I stepped on your foot. I'm sorry I stepped in line. I'm sorry the tea wasn't hot enough. I'm sorry I didn't get the bed made. I'm sorry I wore these shoes instead of the other shoes. You kind of get my point. We start to apologize for everything, even if it's not anything that's our fault. And then that carries over into the sense of, if I'm always apologizing for things, I must be lacking something. Mm -hmm. So when somebody compliments us, I like your dress, that was a beautiful talk, those kinds of things, we don't have that interior net to catch those those affirmations we're mm-hmm. so busy deflecting because we've just been conditioned to to see ourselves where where we're f- lacking that we don't appreciate and affirm ourselves where god has filled in those gaps with the gifts and talents that we have Absolutely. we're so focused on where we are not enough that we don't see when we are enough and how to grasp onto that and i find that women especially say, oh, well, for me to accept the compliment for a dress or a great meal that I made or 
beautiful talk that I gave, that's boasting and that's prideful. But if we don't, if we don't acknowledge that we did something well, first of all, we're never going to grow. And secondly, it's really deflecting God. We're really turning away God. Because when people say to us, oh, you did well, or again, like you've, you know, you look beautiful, they see, they see something good. Hmm. And the good is God. We have just been conditioned to, to just, just be settled with this negative view of ourselves rather than really looking at and understanding the gifts that God has given us and, and how he is using us every day. Absolutely. And I think there's, there's this beautiful quote that the glory of God is man or woman fully alive. And I know when I bear witness to someone who, like we have a lot of friends in the music industry and who sing. And honestly, when they sing, my heart is just, it just swells with joy and happiness because what I'm witnessing is someone operating in the height of their gift and they are really bringing God glory. And what you're witnessing there, when someone is doing something really well, what you're witnessing is something something to behold, something that's really beautiful and something that reflects God's image. And yes. so when you go to a person, you want to affirm that and you want to say thank you and express gratitude for the way in which they've blessed you with the gift of beauty in your life. And I think what you've said is really important that as women, I think we've got to get better and stop deflecting those compliments and those things and really own, I guess, the gift that God has placed within us. The other thing that you were saying just then is this whole idea of apologizing. And I laughed because I'm quite guilty of this, would you say? <laughs> you would you would agree. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's something that came to my awareness a few years ago, and I'm definitely growing in this area, but sorry was a word that I used to say quite a lot. And Sister Mary Rachel, who is my good friend. Oh, when she's I first, so dear. I know. And she moved back to America, so we're missing her here. But she, when she first met me, probably the second time she met me, she said to me as she left, she goes, I want to encourage you to see the word sorry as a swear word that you shouldn't say. <laughs> and oh, years I later, like she, that. Yeah. And years later she said, I can't believe I was that bold. And I said to her, I'm so glad you were because it brought to my attention how often I was apologizing and then made me more aware of that in others. And I think I really noticed it when traveling overseas and I gave a couple of talks, but particularly through sisterhood and even just my friends and family, you would notice more and more people. You know, when you you say you can't unsee that, it's like you can't Mm -hmm. unhear it once somebody brings it to your attention. And what I became aware of is the emails that I received from women, the conversations that I had, like you said, so often they would end with an apology. I'm sorry I took too much of your time. I'm sorry if I've overshared. I'm sorry. And you're right. Like what I became aware of was it wasn't so much they were apologizing for what they were doing. They were actually apologizing for who they were. Yes. Yes. It's not good. This is not okay. This is really sad. Right. We need to stop that because we don't need to apologize. We need to apologize for poor behavior, definitely. 
but we need not apologize for who we are. Exactly. And I think sometimes, Karen, when when women are apologizing, it's it's a sign of I feel inferior to yes. to you. Yeah. And that's where the comparisons come in. Mm. And we we all know that we suffer greatly. It is it is something that I struggle with all the time. I didn't even know it was a condition to to call it that actually until sisterhood. And I heard um, Joe Hayes did a a five minute talk that she was great mind. And she talked about the, the comparisites and I had never thought about it like that before, but I think that that's at the core of why Mm -hmm. we apologize for ourselves, why we're sorry. We're a burden. We almost come across as being everything we're such a burden to everybody else. Mm-hmm. I asked you a question. I'm so sorry if I'm interrupting. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't mean to. Pardon, pardon me. Why are why are we apologizing for who we are? It's it's a thing, and it is a thing, and it all stems from this idea of self identity. Until we claim who we are and whose we are, absolutely, we can't get past it. Mm. And we just can't. That's that's the starting point. And once you claim that, your your whole view of yourself has to shift because either he's real or he's not. Either it's really him in that body and blood present every every time or it isn't. Yes. And if it is, that's that that changes the game for us. And yeah. it all flows from there because then he is who he says he is and we can believe what he tells us, what he has what he has given us through the Bible, through the saints, through all of it. And it's there for us to believe in it. Absolutely. And then the call that he places on our life comes. And and then when we activate those gifts and we live into that anointing and step out into that call, yes, then we are doing that from a place that is abundant. If, If we haven't claimed and received our identity as the beloved daughter, that we are very good just because we've been created in God's image, not because of anything we've done, but because of his image in us, if we don't claim the goodness of that and receive that, then everything that we do in life is going to be coming out of a place that is not healthy because we will give, but it will be given with strings attached. Or we, we will need validation and we will need approval and we will pursue things for the wrong reasons. Right. But I truly believe, and I know in my own life, when I have lived out of that abundant place of my identity as the beloved daughter, then the call on my life just seems to flow. It has this real ease about it because I'm really stepping out and trusting God. And I I know that you have a story of that with the Sisterhood Conference, but I I know even Jonathan, he had to give this huge keynote to sort of 10,000 Catholic teachers in America a few years ago. And I was beside myself, nervous for him. And a couple of weeks before, no, it actually wasn't a couple of weeks. It was like four days before this event. He said to me, he'd been going to adoration in New York and he came home and he said, I think God's telling me to change the talk. I'm like, no, no, God couldn't possibly be telling you to change a major talk to 10,000 people four days before the event. That's not the Holy Spirit, Jonathan. I hadn't been to adoration, mind you, he had. And he went ahead and he changed it. And he said to me, and it was fantastic. It was beautiful and it was magnificent. But it was quite funny because I thought, firstly, who am I to tell Jonathan that's not the Holy Spirit? But Jonathan's response was beautiful. He said, God brought me here. 
so it's his problem. So I can only give myself to him and receive from him and after that it's up to him. And exactly. I thought that was really powerful and I know that you had a similar experience coming over to speak at Sisterhood because it wasn't really something that you did um, but it was very on my heart when I was talking to you because you were actually, you got in contact with us because you wanted to book Jonathan to come and speak. Right, um, absolutely. His office in your diocese. And when we were talking, I just, instant connection, like you said, I just fell in love with you and I thought, oh, my goodness, I wonder if you'd consider coming to speak in Australia. So <laughs> tell, tell me a bit about that journey because I know that that was a really big thing for you. Yeah, it, it was, um, I still, I still laugh about that conversation. I was in, I was sitting in my office, I'll never forget it. And I was sitting in my office and we, you and I were talking just like we are now as if we yeah. had been friends. I know. It's forever. So and when you said that, my first thought was she just likes the accent. That's all it <laughs> is. <laughs> well, I do like that. <laughs> Which is hilarious because no one's ever said that to me before. <laughs> and I thought, oh, you know, this will pass. And and I just, but, but as we talked about it more and more, I got really excited about the prospect of sharing with women this idea about how we view ourselves. Yeah. And then the more I thought about it, I thought, okay, I can go and I can talk to a few people and it'll be fine. And then when it turned into being the keynote, that's where I had that moment of who am I, Lord? This is a message that you've put on my heart, but I'm sure they've heard it a million times. My voice isn't any different than anybody else's. And I had to really, really dig deep. I, I think if you remember, I called you about three mm -hmm. weeks before the, the event yes. and tried to cancel, even though we'd already <laughs> bought plane tickets and all the things. And, and you really prayed me through it. And your belief in me helped me to see that, that as, I, as I, I've termed the phrase now, it's just God's going to fill in the gaps. He's yeah. brought you here. It's been clear that this is of him. From, from the very start, there weren't any of the broad brushstroke things that, that normally get in the way. And so it really was of him. And I just had to remind myself that he was not going to let me fail. That was all I, I just didn't want to let anybody down. I yes. didn't want to embarrass anybody. Oh. And I just, I wanted, it wasn't so much that it was urgent that the women hear the message, but that they left understanding the message, yeah. whether it came from me or, you know, whatever. Um, I just happened to be the, the, the mouthpiece for it yes. on, on that day. And that's yeah. what I really had to accept. And that's what I really had to buckle down and believe in. Um, it got to the point where I spent so much time actually writing the keynote that when it came time to deliver it, I wanted to be super fancy like my friend Jonathan Doyle. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not Jonathan. No. I'm not anybody else. I'm just me. And this is the first time I'd ever given a keynote. And I'll never forget my husband said to me, he goes, well, do you have it memorized? We were on the plane actually to Sydney. And I said, no, I said, I'm just going to read it. And he, this look of horror came across <laughs> his face. because He didn't want me to fail and he didn't yes. want me to be 
embarrassed. And I said, I'd rather they hear the words that God put on my heart than for me to stand up there and be fancy with a, you know, with a clicker and the pointer. And I had to give myself that permission to not have to be perfect right out of the gate. And all of those things combined. And I'll tell you, honestly, when I took the stage, I was, God just was in control. And I I actually was very calm about the whole thing. I did. I got nervous afterwards. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I had to, it was a lot of people really loving me. It was me really having to dig deep in believing that God was going to carry me through that fear. I didn't need to be fearful and that to understand that, that if God puts it on your heart, he's not going to let you fail. No, he, he doesn't won't. want you to fail. He's not setting you up for failure. No. And I had to, I had to trust in that. So it was a, it was a nice lesson in trust. And it was also a nice lesson for me to understand that I do have a, I do have a unique voice. I do have some gifts and talents in speaking and ministering with women. And that helped me to, to go on and do some, what I'm doing now in my life. So yeah. it really was a starting point, but man, that was a big, big leap. And it a was big such yes. a big thing. And I know because every time I spoke to you, I could feel and hear that in your voice. But then when you went through the talk with me, I get goosebumps because I was like, this is a great message. And it's so yeah. beautiful. And I think one of your gifts, which I really admire and I really love is the way that you have with words to build like scaffolding around an idea. And then at the end, you just tie it all together. And your expression with written and you know, obviously verbal words when you speak, you just have a way of building this scaffolding around an idea which makes it so powerful. And I love that. It's such a beautiful gift that you have. And it's crazy that sometimes we can't see our own gift, but all the people around us seem to see it. And that is so true. Yes. And we're the last to believe in ourselves. Like there's so many other people that believe in us and can identify our gifts and our strengths, but we're the last ones who come to the table. Right. Right. And, and well, first of all, thank you, Karen, for those, for those lovely words, your, your encouragement, not only for that event, but other things that I've gone on to do that we've shared and talked Mm -hmm. about has, has been just so beautiful. And I feel like that is, it's really what authentic female friendship Mm. is we hold each other accountable yes because we you know you've we've had some some conversations about different ways to do things and have you looked at it this way and that way and from just that that business standpoint that's just been lovely to have someone to bounce ideas off of but that affirmation and that that reminder that I don't have to compare myself to anybody Mm. else is it's huge. It's huge. And that's what we have to do for one another. Absolutely. Because um, your and message I, and I, would not have had any power if you had have presented it like Jonathan presents. Exactly. Like it, it had the right. power that it had because of the way you presented. The the ladies came up to me afterwards. It was really, and that was so humbling for me. Um, and it still humbles me. I still get messages today from, from women who were at that conference. I do. Oh, I do. So and and it'll just be little things like, here's me having an ordinary ice cream cone with my I ordinary family and I'm loving every minute of it. And if yeah. you can, you know, if I can, if something I've said has changed how they view themselves and, and that gives them that power back uh, to, yeah. to know that they are, that, that they are known, they are seen, they are loved, they have something to offer this world the hopelessness has got to go. We can't yeah. have any more hopeless people in this yeah. world. They yeah. need to have hope and purpose. 
Yeah. Part of part of understanding your ordinariness is to understand it's really extraordinary because it's absolutely you know that's 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 just what we're called to do. So absolutely, because only you can do you. No one else can do you. So exactly. When you don't do you, everyone misses out on what exactly is yours that is uniquely yours to bring. And exactly, I, I know that you spoke around this idea of you know there's three different ways that God calls us, and this idea of ordinary being really powerful mm-hmm. when we had a recent conversation you was talking about these different ways of being called by God you talked about being broken um, the idea of being perfect and then being his hands and feet just mm-hmm. talk me through those a little bit more because I really I know at the time they really resonated with me and they're very sure. powerful I think so when I when I really fleshed this out for for the talk i knew i knew in my mind what my experience had been and i was trying to figure out i i'm a categorizing person i have mm. to have things sort of sorted to, yes so do to, i you know to do my thing you know that's, <laughs> that's just why we get on I, so well <laughs> that's how my brain works and so mm. i really had to give it a name i had to give each of these a name and when i really sat back and i thought about it i felt like there were three types of ways that god uses people and we can be the any of these on any given day, but we don't we only live in one of them for most of the time. So the first way is that God calls us to this um, to this brokenness. And if we look at the stories that get the headlines or the clicks on social media or whatever, those are the people that are that have suffered. Their suffering is public or they've made it public. These are the people who who are broken. And through their stories, we see God at work. We see a redemption in the suffering. We see all of those things. And so God uses their stories and their brokenness to, to, show, to show how healing can happen, to bring people to, back to him or bring, bring them closer to him, almost as a model mm-hmm. of, you know, this is, I was so broken and wounded. I let God in my life and now here we are. And here's my big story around that. We see lots and lots of books around it. We hear people talking about it. There's podcasts about it, all, all of that stuff. Um, social media has really expanded on that. So everybody that has a, a hurt story, yeah. we get prayer requests for, we get all of it. So, so for those of us that aren't broken, it's kind of like, huh, I, I'm not broken, so God must really not want to use me. I, and I don't want to be broken. Believe me, no. I don't. <laughs> it's not through. very nice. No, I don't fun. want to. I don't want their, I like my little cross. I like what you've given me when compared to someone else's. Yeah. But what I have a hard time with is all the attention that they're getting around the brokenness. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where people sometimes have a hard time. So yeah. so God God uses the broken. To, to show us things. And then the other, the other way is that God uses the perfect. And mm-hmm. perfect can mean like, oh, we look perfect and our homes are perfect. They're, they're all Instagram perfect. That's not what I'm talking about here. God yeah. uses the perfect in their knowledge about the faith. So people who are intellectually, um, what's the word I'm looking for? So, so they just really understand the faith from an intellectual sure. point. They can explain the faith. They and are, articulate they know, that. Yeah, they know the law. They can, they can quote scripture in verse. They can, you know, they know all of the things. And for most of us, 
we don't have that. We we maybe can explain a little bit about what we believe, but in my, you know, my example is I grew up post-Vatican II and mm. I was not well catechized. So for me to 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 talk about the faith from an intellectual standpoint, what we believe, why we believe it, I'm so ill-equipped, which is why I found it hilarious that God put it on my, you know, said, here, go do this and talk <laughs> about the faith in a very public way. Yes. Um, and so I feel like some, you know, people feel like, oh, well, I'm not broken. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to be broken. And I'm not like super smart about this. So I really don't want to be in the public eye to defend the faith. How, how are you using me? And so I feel like that's where the ordinary of the world come into play. And so if we look at those three pockets of people, I feel like, you know, 10% of the world are broken on any given day. 10% of the world are are this intellectually gifted and defending the faith in the public forum every day. At least 80% of us. Yeah. And, and what has God tasked us with? The heavy lifting. He has tasked us with those everyday things that make the difference in everyone's life. We are called to serve in from the smallest way to the biggest way. And so when I talk to women about being this in this ordinary world, it's the things like you're rocking your baby at night at 2 a.m. when when you haven't slept. You're driving your ill parents to the the 20,000th doctor's appointment because that's what you're called to do. You're making dinner for your husband after you've worked a full day and run the kids everywhere, but you want a hot meal on the table because you know he appreciates that. Mm-hmm. It's folding endless baskets of laundry. It is, it's helping your neighbor mow their lawn. It's, it's all of those little things that we do every day. And in my mind, there's, that's, that's the power of ordinary. We are the hands and feet those are that's where we minister to our families to our communities and and we we minister to them by doing these everyday ordinary things but we yeah. do them out of love absolutely and i think bringing that attitude of love to any given task is crucial right. isn't it absolutely you know mother absolutely. teresa said do beautiful things for god and yes. those beautiful things can be speaking on a stage, it could be writing a book, it can be singing to concerts, you know, that those beautiful things can be big and grand. But I think the more important one is those beautiful things that we do for the individuals that we interact with every single day. And we Absolutely. can't lose sight of that. And I, I'm becoming more aware of, I guess, you know, we've got all this motivational stuff out there and it's fantastic because yes we need it we need to plan like if god gives us a vision we need practical tools to plan on how we're going to execute that vision but i think the danger that we can run into is that we lose sight of the fact that some of the most beautiful some of the most extraordinary moments are often hidden and yes. you know mary's a beautiful example of that too but we often lose sight of that and often feel for mums who make that choice to stay home with their babies, I recognise in some of them this idea that they're not enough. When they say, I'm just a mum, it's, yes. oh, I'm just staying at home, doing nothing with my day and I'm comparing that to someone who's working corporate job or singing on a stage or writing a book and because I'm not doing those things, the, what I am doing is not enough, which is what you're yes. saying in this whole power yes. of ordinary. But, you know, for the mum at home, bringing their attitude of love and that posture of love and to the people that she's 
called to lead and to minister to in her family is extraordinary. It's absolutely extraordinary. You know, I have the opportunity of speaking to lots of women at our conferences and doing many projects for women, but I can honestly say the blessed moments in my life are sitting on my daughter's bed at night talking through things with her and giving her wisdom and mentoring her. And nobody sees that. But for me, like I need to bring that same energy and that same love that I do on a stage to her bedroom at night. Yes. yes. Because that moment is extraordinary, right. just as much as the moment is when you're speaking on a stage. And I think too, when we look at who who is benefiting from our from mm-hmm. our love, who is benefiting from these ordinary moments? Sometimes it can be 10,000 people in a room. And sometimes that same amount of love and that same message could be that one person in front of us. Go Absolutely. home and love your family. Yes. Mother Teresa says that. Yeah. And and I think that that women need to understand that no matter where they are, whether it's at home, whether they're at you know, at the grocery store, whether they're in the corporate world, wherever they are, wherever God has called them to be, there are still those little moments of ordinary things that you do, even within those grand moments Absolutely. that that is that are powerful and that are being the hands and feet. So yes, we might be on a stage and speaking to thousands of people, but how we interact with the person mm-hmm. who brought us our water bottle on the stage or how we interact with the people who are doing the sound for us mm-hmm. or the way that we interact with the conference planner. Yeah. Those are those are moments as well of just ordinary interaction between people, but it's yeah. still being the hands and feet because Absolutely. Because we're called, if I ever get a tattoo, and I won't, but if <laughs> what I would did, you get if you did get a tattoo? I would, I would get just the phrase "Him through me to you," Ooh, because I like that. that's what I have to remember. Yeah, at every at, in every encounter that I have with people, mm. I need to be mindful of who am I reflecting? Is it me? Are they seeing me, or are they seeing Christ? Yeah. Because if they're not, if they're seeing more of me and less of him, then then I'm not doing it the right way, yeah. and I and one of us needs to change, and it's going to have to be me, mm. and and so it's just that reminder um, of of what it is that I'm called to do, and I think that that would apply to any woman anywhere. It would apply to any man anywhere. That you know, that's ultimately what we're called to do is is for people to to know Christ because of them. Yes. I think that's and when we can claim that then then when we see okay I'm I I am a mom and this is my season right now. Someday I might be on a stage singing or I might be writing a book or I might be doing all these things. Right now this is the most important work that God has me calling to has called me to do. Yeah. This is the most important work God has called me to do. In yeah, 10 more that. years it might it might be something different. That was my experience. Yeah, that was my experience. And I think um, I mean that's a whole new uh, another episode in a podcast is just the power of now and being present to the present yes. moment with people and and that's important. So just in wrapping up with this power of ordinary, if you were to sit down with a group of young women, um, what would be your advice to them on this topic? Mm. That is a really, really great question. Okay. 
I think what's your answer? <laughs> Hit me with it. Okay. So so the first thing that I would I would tell them is that they need to get rid of the comparisons. Hmm. Because it's the comparisons that are driving this idea of I don't measure up, I'm not enough because I'm not like this person that secular world has set aside as being the, you know, the, the model of the day for how we're supposed to behave or look or yeah. be or all the things. So I think that if we can stop with comparison, but in order to do that, you have to, you really, really have to arm yourself with what am I good at? What are the things that I really am good at doing? We have to acknowledge those first. And once we can do that, I think that then we can start to see where God is using us to use those gifts. Yeah. It's not 100% all the time that, that we're going to be the best at organizing everything or, you know, I, I don't know, the best communicator or the best... Mm -hmm. The, the, you know, the best Bible study leader, any of those kinds of things. But we, but we have enough to get started and we have enough to, to really understand what God is calling us to do through the gifts that he's given us. So I think we need to spend time in asking God what, Lord, show me what I'm good at. Don't be afraid to ask him that question. Be prepared for the answer. It may be a longer list than you thought, and the list may look a little different than you thought. And and God will put those people in your life to show you those things. You and I are an example of that. To be to be perfectly honest, you and I that are this friendship is is an example. Show me what I'm good at, Lord. Show me how you want to use me. What what do you have in store for me next? We have to we have to embrace that idea that that I'm here for a purpose and I'm excited to see. I went to a conference a few years ago and a, a newly ordained priest, he was brandy new, like right out of, I think like two weeks out of, out of being ordained. And he talked about his prayer life and he said, every morning my prayer is, Lord, how will you surprise me today? And that changes, that changes the relationship, doesn't it? It's this, it's this, I can't wait to see what's new and what's next. And I'm super excited about this rather than living in this fearful place of, oh, where have I fallen short and I'm so sinful? Such a different, such a different way to approach it. And I think if we can just be open to that, to say, Lord, I know you've given me gifts. I can't for the life of me see what they are. Please show them to me. Hmm. Please show them to me. And then we and then we start to accept that, and and understand that there will be times that you're going to be broken, times that you're going to be perfect, and and having to defend the faith, or you'll have a moment where you'll step into the spotlight and shine around that. Who knows? It might be a dinner table when someone asks you a question about the faith, and you're like, "Oh wait, I heard that at, at church <laughs> the other day. I have an answer for that. I can could, do that." Right. It could be as simple as those two things, but to embrace the idea of an acceptance of our life where we are and, and that God's got a plan for it. And in mm -hmm. that 80% of the rest of the time, we live in ordinary time most of the year. Yeah. It's, I think it's a beautiful model for us so that when we are called to the other, to the other sides of it, we're, we understand that that, that too is a season. Yeah. Kind of how I look at it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Laura Rowland. Laura has so much to offer, and if you'd like to follow her, follow her on Instagram, Laura Rowland, or follow her women's ministry, Encounter Grace. 
If you've liked what you've heard and you want to find out more, why not head on over to the Genius Project website and check out the amazing initiatives and courses that we have on offer www.geniusproject.co. If you like what you've heard on the Genius Podcast, please share the link with your friends and leave a review. This helps in getting the word out there and promoting the work of the Genius Project. Thanks for joining us. Have a beautiful week and God bless.